Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Emery, the host of the Wannabe Podcast, the podcast that takes you from where you are now to where you want to be in 30 minutes or less. Just a quick reminder to get tickets to Wannabe Live Brand Builders Masterclass on June 2nd with myself and brand and marketing expert Prisca Moyesa. We'll be in London Bridge for four hours and at this live show you'll learn how to brand better using podcasts and videos to build your brand, the ultimate side hustlers content timeline with the free worksheet and template and pivoting, finally get paid for your ideas. If you want to come along, do get an early bird ticket. They're just £5, so there's no excuse. And head to wannabelive.eventbrite.co.uk. I can't wait to see you there. Thank you guys for joining me again today. I am so excited that I am back with... DJ Nikki Beatnik. She is a DJ and record producer who has spun in more than 60 countries. She has served as Kalisa's official tour DJ for the best part of a decade. She is the winner of the best DJ at the UMAs and has been described as a multifaceted icon by Reebok. She's amazing. She has spun at parties for everyone from Giuseppe Zanotti, Jay-Z, Alan Carr, the British Fashion Awards. In today's episode, we cover the basics of getting started as a DJ, how you can rise to the top in a male-dominated environment. You'll learn how to gain the respect from your peers and the attitude you need to book your first gigs. We'll touch on labeling and whether or not you should add female to your job title. And it's as good as the last episode, so I hope you enjoy it. Would you prefer me to call you DJ Nikki or just Nikki? I mean, Nikki's fine. Everyone does call me DJ Nikki, though. I'll turn up to like my friends' things or like mum events or parties, and everyone is like, "Oh, DJ Nikki," and it's so funny to me because some of my friends don't even know my proper surname; they've just called me that forever. <laughs> but Nikki is fine. <laughs> All right, I'll go with Nikki, even though like I'm so tempted to say DJ Nikki now. Yeah, well, really I mean, cool. everyone does, so <laughs> it's all good. Thank you so much for coming along to be on the podcast. No worries. Um, I was really excited about your interview, mostly because there is a young girl called Sarah Aisha. Shout out to Sarah Aisha. She's my little sister's, one of my little sister's best friends. And she just does so many cool things. And um, I know she's really trying hard to get into DJing. Nice. And she's been following me for a while. So I was like, oh my God, you'd be perfect for just, even if it's just this one girl. I'm like, she needs to like know what life is like as a female DJ, which is going to be really cool so would you know what i never call myself a female dj what do you call yourself a dj just a regular dj i've been doing it for 27 years since 1989 is when i bought my decks when i was a kid and i started djing and there was no no like basically there was no career path for djs then in in general but there was hardly any women doing it and there's no physical reason why women can't be just as good as men. Yeah. So I never call myself a female DJ because I came up with all kinds of DJs and I ju- I'm just a good DJ. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't need to qualify that by the fact that, you know, I've got boobs or anything else or I'm a woman. Um, although we obviously face our own 
issues within our industry. I just call myself a DJ. I like that though. I think that's really important that you made that distinction um, because I was at like a radio conference thing a year ago um, and one of the girls was a DJ for NTS and she, her name was AJ and she was, she was really cool. And she was saying that you know, she was meant talking about the challenges because it was about women in radio. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, there were, they did make the distinction, I guess, because of some of the unique challenges that some people do face. Um, and she was kind of talking about some of the sexist comments that she's not yeah. good enough because she's a woman. And she was also well, imagine in me in 89. <laughs> yeah. There was no, there was maybe like three other women that I'd ever seen DJ Spinderella, a couple of others. There was DJ rap who was in jungle, but imagine 27 years of that magnified. Yeah. But I still don't choose to, um, use that to my advantage I just want to be a good DJ and I've always been classed as like you know on an equal with the guys that were doing the same thing as me and that's how I wanted it to be I didn't want to be like and I don't use the hashtags female DJs I don't want to I don't I just don't want to exploit that because I feel like I'm bigger and better than that I've done so much in my career that to actually just bring it down to, oh, she's a female DJ is very patronizing to me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I feel like we've moved past that. Interesting. I quite like that. Um, It's very rare that you find people that kind of reject the label. Um, I'm always intrigued by people that kind of I don't like any labels, to be honest with you. Fair enough. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like everyone can do their own thing and you don't need to be labeled and you don't need to be in a box. And I feel like I'm still pushing that now as a mom as well, because people expect your life to just change and stop when you become a mom. And I'm still on tour and I'm still in the club. And I was when I was pregnant up until four days before I gave birth. I was at festivals and in clubs. And people want to put their labels on you. Don't let it happen. Wonderful. I love that. Um, so the actual first question for the podcast. <laughs> didn't ask. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but this is all good stuff anyway. Um, but the first question I always ask is, uh, who did you want to be before you became who you are and why? Do you know what? When I was really young, I wanted to be an opera singer. Wow. That's and um, that was from when I was about six. So I was always musical. And when I was seven, I got scouted. Because I grew up in in the Highlands of Scotland where there was literally 10 people in my whole school from age 4 to 13. We all sat together. You have like so, no accent, by the way. Well, because I've been here for 30 years. But imagine if I can do this and I've travelled to like 65 countries, maybe seven, almost 70 now. I've been to like maybe 200 cities plus all around the world DJing for, as a little kid in the Highlands of Scotland to this. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's quite mind-boggling if you think about it. But I got scouted when I was seven to go to a music school and I used to go there every weekend. And so I started playing classical cello and I was classically trained. I was singing and doing music all the time. And then I got to like 15, 16, decided I wanted to be a DJ because I'd seen... I'd been to like snuck out to clubs and seen people and whatever, but it was just like a mad journey from that to this. Yeah. So I always kind of knew I wanted to be in music or art. I did a degree in fine art somewhere along the way, but (laughs) yes, I was only good at those two things really. I'm like quite good at writing and creative stuff, but actually piecing it together because like I said there was no real path for DJs yeah and it was also new when I started like 
1989, it was like after Acid House and things like that. Like it was an amazing time, but there was no career path for us. There was no one like, if you said you wanted to be a DJ, it was like your parents wouldn't be happy about it. Like my parents still don't really get it. <laughs> so yeah, from from that to this is like a, a, it's been a long path, but I always knew I wanted to do something in music. Fair enough. I mean, opera singers really random. Was there like well, an opera not really because I was quite good at singing, <laughs> in, in, like in the high pitched opera. Well, tones. I did classical singing from when I was a kid. That's... Well, because I went to music school, so you'd learn classical music. So I could sight read. I was in choirs the whole time. Yeah, and it, it just it gives you like a music because I could I could sight read music. I was in orchestras. I was playing classical music. Like you could put a sheet of music in front of me, I could play it. So from that, as a kid, like it was just. You know, I thought it was quite a cool thing to be an opera singer. It is cool. Like, it's definitely different. My sister joined an opera choir while she was at uni, which we were all a bit confused by because it was just so out there. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But I I guess it's like the fundamentals of music. If you know how to read music and you're in choirs and things like that, it's quite, it's not that far a step away. Yeah. You know, what was a bigger step was like becoming a hip hop DJ, I guess, from a classical cellist. But... To me, it's like, that's the music I sort of grew up listening to and a lot of house music as well. So when I started DJing, I used to play both those genres. Um, But obviously for my music teachers at school and stuff, that was very confusing for them. Yeah, yeah, I could imagine. Like, why don't you want to carry on playing classical cello? Why didn't you want to be a DJ now? Um, (laughs) Do you know what? I just got older. I just got to like teenage years and I was still really talented, but they were telling me I would have to practice like six hours a day to be like to do the young musician of the year or do one of those kind of things and I just you know I wanted to have fun I wanted to go clubbing and like go to parties and meet boys and (laughs) and so I was going to clubs way too young but I was going there and I realized I was obsessed with the DJs and the music yeah so that's what really motivated me seeing some of those guys DJing to actually buy decks and like start my you know my DJing myself so do you, do you remember how much you spent on your first ever decks yeah I, I mean it was still a lot of money I had to save up because I always had jobs so I always had Saturday jobs and stuff but I bought belt drive Technics and I think I think they were like a hundred pounds and I bought them second hand they weren't even 12 10s or anything like that because those were like the same price then that they are now like at least 400 quid for a deck or whatever yeah back in the day so yeah I bought belt drive Technics and it was really difficult to mix on but I taught myself on those so you self-taught so yeah did you ever kind of go up to any of the DJs in the clubs and say just like no because it wasn't like that then I mean I did watch them and I listened and I sort of and I knew other people that were DJs so I'd be at their house and I'd watch what they were doing but it was very much like your girl so you're not invited to mix or be on decks or whatever and even when I bought them they were like why are you buying decks kind of thing yeah it was just so not expected at all for a woman to want to do it yeah and even when I bought decks people were kind of like laughing and like "Mm, what you know you know what are you doing with this you're never gonna kind of be a DJ yeah so yeah how do you teach yourself when like I mean I know that I can teach 
anyone can teach themselves anything in this day and age. There's YouTube, yeah. like you just watch tons of YouTube yeah, videos. Yeah, but back then, but there, back wasn't then there wasn't YouTube. So how do you, how did you even well, begin to try and figure <laughs> out and navigate the, this equipment that I imagine is quite technical? And then you, like yeah. you said, it's quite the hard equipment to actually was hard because no one taught me how to set it up and stuff. And um, that was like one of the hardest things to really work out how to because you had to plug it into the amp and then the speakers there's wires and it's all quite technical but the foundations of that have taught me now that you can't just expect to be a dj and rock up with a console or just rock up to a club and play cds you have you have to know what's going on if if the equipment goes wrong or something Mm -hmm. like that so it gave me a very like hard working kind of practical attitude because i had to teach myself to do this stuff and then learning to DJ was very similar. I just spent hours and hours and hours on my own learning to do mixes and stuff and kind of picking up terms from other people that were DJ but not really knowing what they were and then working it out myself. So everything I did was self-taught. And then when I started to play in clubs, obviously you pick up things from other DJs as well and you you hear how people have put together things and you start to think about it but I think because I was classically trained I already had a real big head start because I understood like a four bar intro and how music's put together and Mm -hmm. how vocals shouldn't be mixed over each other and things like that so it gave me a massive head start I think yeah that's really cool I love doing these interviews because I essentially learn the very beginning parts and how it all kind of connects to where you are now. And like you said, it may seem, um, I know a lot of people, including myself, have really random backgrounds from where we started and now own podcasting. I still don't fully understand how I'm here because um, I was fully in science. And But behavior observation is kind of why I'm interested in people and talking to people and I get invested in their success. So kind of seeing how your classical training and music composition actually instilled some really core values and the ability to work out things yeah is so key because a lot of people think like they will think i could just get up tomorrow and have a computer and i'm a dj like some people genuinely think unfortunately there's a lot of that yeah Yeah. but music and learning instruments a dj equipment's very similar so you're learning an instrument but it's just more technical i guess like more um digital rather than analog or like but it's still the same thing like you have to practice and that's what it comes down to and if you want to be good at any musical instrument you have to put in your 10,000 hours yeah at least I've probably done like 200,000 hours by now (laughs) but yeah you have to practice that's what it all comes down to that and then there's a few other factors in what's going to make you successful but at the end of the day if you're going to be a DJ you want to be a good DJ yeah absolutely um your first club did you, I don't even remember. You don't remember? No, it's so long. Like, I've played thousands and thousands and thousands of gigs. I can imagine. I don't remember. I remember doing my, f- I think the first party I did was when I was at art college, maybe. Because I'd, I'd practiced for like maybe six months to a year before I played out. And that's yeah. also really important. There's too many people now that just think that they can, you know, like practice a little bit and then go and they're ready to play in a club. It's a massive step. Yeah. And the things that being a bedroom DJ or being at home is not the same as going to a club and like a hundred things can go wrong with the equipment or like you can't hear properly, you don't have a monitor. Like there's so many things that can go wrong. So I practiced probably for a good year, six months to a year before I even stepped in a club. Actually, I do remember the first club I played because it was in the town where I 
went to school in St Albans and it was called Batchwood I remember and the guy the DJ there had seen me there like every week and I was singing along to every single lyric he's like how come you know every single lyric to every song <laughs> which I don't now because I don't know any lyrics to any songs but yeah back in the day and I was like well because I'm a DJ too and he's like really oh do you want to come and warm up for me next week and that's how it started that's amazing that's such a good start though that's the yeah. one kind of just recognized and that club's you. still there like it's still it's an open i remember i went back there to play for twice as nice like maybe like 10 15 years after and it was so surreal and it still had carpet and it still looked the same it's so funny <laughs> clubs of carpet make me a little bit sad carpet in clubs yeah you always know you're still like don't. in the sticks when there's carpets in a club so disgusting <laughs> <laughs> so many drinks and so many things get spilled Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Um, that's really awesome, though. <laughs> like, it's nice to kind of hear that feeling. Like, what was that like? Do you remember the feeling of, okay, this is my first club. I'm, like, someone's giving me a chance. I was Did so you- nervous. Like, I was shaking. The needle oh. was like, because I'm actually, I'm not like a a natural extrovert I don't think I'm more and I think a lot of DJs are quite introvert because we're usually on our own and we practice on our own and a lot of musicians are like that anyway we're quite in our own heads so then when you get into DJing and you can go down various paths I think the extroverts go more into like radio and presenting and stuff like that Mm -hmm. that was never really my objective I just wanted to always be a club DJ um so I remember being super, super nervous the first club I ever played. Do you remember being, if you got paid for that? Did I get paid for my first ever one? Probably not. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't think so. But pretty much since then I've been paid. Yeah, that's and good. And that's really important as well. Like, if you're good, you will get paid. If you're, if you're just there and you're kind of not that good. And like a lot of people, actually, it's not always about that because you could be the most talented DJ. I know some absolutely phenomenal DJs that are not making as much money that than some very average people that can't really DJ. So it's not really about just what hard work and talent. It's also about being business minded and hustle. Mm -hmm. Um, But pretty much since then, I've hardly done any free gigs because it was my objective to make money yeah. and try and do it as a job. And I had other jobs like from university because when I was at university, I threw my own parties then and I was DJing and doing various things. Then I moved to London and, and decided like I can't do day jobs anymore. Like I just hated my day job. I worked in advertising 
and I hated it. So I was like, I just have to DJ, like that's it. Yeah. So I very much made it happen. Um, but yeah, I would say it was always my goal to get paid. Yeah, you made it an objective. Yeah. For those that are starting out um, and have no idea about rates or like what is what is payment like for them? And is there like a starting point or do you remember no, your starting point? No, do you know point? what's really bad about the DJ industries? We've got no unions, we've got no like official bodies. We've got no one that looks after you. If you don't turn up to work or say you had a car accident, there's no like pay there's no pensions there's nothing it's just you hustling against the world basically and what I've noticed especially in London the main clubs that pay regularly are in the West End Mm. and a lot of them have a lot of issues especially with who they let in and things like that and I stepped out of that arena quite a long time ago even though I was dominating it and playing there like and I had so many club nights were successful there a lot of the club policies used to upset me so much I didn't want to DJ there but the regular money for most DJs is to be made in the West End where they have big clubs that can pay regular however over the last 10 to 15 years the amount of time that DJs are playing and the amount that they're getting paid has been getting less and less and less. That has a lot to do with lots of different factors. So technology taking over and people coming in that aren't like, you know, like hard grafting DJs, I would say, that have come in with MP3s and a laptop and whatever and just will undercut the next DJ to get paid something just to be in the club yeah so the rates have been coming down so i would say now it's harder for new djs starting out because there's so many and there's not a lot that are really super practiced and probably you know like practicing their craft as much as they used to back in the day there are like amazing ones out there that are practicing but i'm just saying there's more competition so there's always going to be someone that's going to undercut someone else for less money. So there's not, the wages are not as good as they used to be. Yeah. Which is a problem. Yeah. And it's quite sad for me as like an older DJ looking at younger ones starting out. I'm like, where are you actually going to play? And then they're doing their own parties like I used to, but I used to make good money doing that. Yeah. And I've always done my own parties. I still do them now. And um, it's important for me because I'm like imprinting what kind of music I want to, put out there to the world so that's what I do through my own parties basically because I can go and get hired to do other people's parties I have to play to their crowds so there you can still make money but not it's not on the same level I don't think and I was quite lucky because I played for a lot of big stars and celebrities over the years which increased my rate and put me in a different level to other people absolutely so I can say I played for multiple puffy parties j-lo's party beyonce jay-z all these people that that other people so like the gq awards or the l style awards will see i've played for those and they'll come and hire me or vice versa yeah so it's like a big circle but then that puts my rate up each time so i've got that behind me like because i've got an amazing biog now yeah but the younger ones starting out that are getting undercut and like and they haven't got anyone that can really mentor them or tell them how to handle it. And also a big problem is clubs actually paying on time because a lot of times they don't. And sometimes like I've known people be waiting months and months and months to get like their money from them. And sometimes even the clubs have gone into administration then opened up with the same owners, but under a different name and they don't have to pay anyone. 
So there's a lot like it's a shady business. And unless you're like very hardcore and you're fighting to get your money. And as a woman, it's even harder. So yeah. it's it's hard for DJs starting out now. I really feel for them. Yeah. Um, I, it sounds rough. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's club business. It's nighttime. It's like you're not dealing with you know, like Sunday school teachers, you're dealing with people in nightclubs. It's yeah, like, yeah. it's, it's a, yeah. I mean, I, I was in it from years and years and years ago, but I've had to go outside clubs and like, be like, where's my money yeah. in front of people to try and embarrass guys into paying me. But now all my payments are done up front. So I don't have to deal with that anymore. <laughs> um, so the final question or the final two questions uh, that sometimes trip people up is what's the worst advice you've ever received and what's the best advice you've ever received? I'm pretty sure someone has told me that I'm never going to be a DJ or I'm never going to... Yeah, I'm sure I've had that a lot. And I've had a lot of people like, oh, this is a good one. So I'd be playing in the club, like a whole DJ set, whatever. This used to happen, has still happens quite regularly if I've got male friends with me. And they'll see me DJing and yet they'll go up to the guy that's my friend that's standing like three foot away from the decks and they'll actually say to him, nice set, mate. Wait, what? (laughs) That happens all the time. And it's not a piece of advice. It's not a worst piece of advice, but it's the same mentality as, oh, you're never going to be the DJ that they will actually say and it used to happen more when they when my friends would help me with my records and stuff they'd and I'd be like oh fair enough you thought he, he was DJing but they'll actually see me DJing and, and they'll be like to the guy that's standing three foot away from me nowhere near the decks oh nice set mate you smashed it but I'll still be there behind the text. <laughs> so if someone tells you you can't do something I'm very stubborn they're like you're never going to do that like you can take it. Like I remember my music teacher at school being like that, like, oh no, you're never going to be a professional musician or because I didn't want to do it the same way that everyone else had. And I liked totally different music that they didn't want me to play. Yeah. So they would always kind of like, they chip away at you, chip away at you. The thing is going to art college and doing my degree in art was good because all your tutors do that to you constantly. They rip you down in front of everyone. Oh, and you have to defend awful. yourself. Right. My cough is killing me. Um, but it does teach you, even though they're ripping your artwork to shreds constantly, yeah. it gives you, it's horrible, especially if you're quite a sensitive person, but it also teaches you that their opinion is no more valid than your opinion. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. So they can be saying all this stuff to you and you're like, well, why is it bad art? It's art. Why is your art better than my art? So you become like quite resilient. And so that has taught me also with DJing. It's like, well, you might think I'm bad. I think I'm amazing. I know I'm amazing because I've practiced and I've got yeah. these this skill set. So who are you to say that I can't do it? The ability to kind of stand in your own conviction. Yeah. And if so you, if you want to do is. something, yeah, exactly. Don't let other people tell you you can't do it for a start. And then now as a mum, I feel like there's judgment, like, well, why are you still doing that? And why are you, you know what I mean? Like, it will never stop. It will go on all through your life. And like telling people what they should wear or like telling women, oh, you can't fit in that mould because you're a girl. No, don't listen to any of it. Oh, you shouldn't be wearing that because you're a mum. No. Why? (laughs) We have all these like weird women shaming kind of ideas that people buy into. And then women do it to each other. I remember I was in a club when I was pregnant. It was my party that I used to do at the W Hotel every Wednesday. 
and a female artist was like, why are you still here? You're pregnant. Like why? And I'm like, does you feel fired? Hang on a minute. Well, you're a woman for a start. You're also an artist. So you're going to, at some point, you're probably going to have kids. 90% charge. You might have children. And are you going to stop singing on stage because you're pregnant? Yeah. No. And then as a woman, why would I judge you for that? So I feel like we do, we are our own worst enemies at times as well, because Absolutely. we'll be judging other people. So yeah. Um, the worst piece of advice is, or the worst comments that I've got are things like that in that kind of genre. You can't, you can't do this. You can't yeah. do that. Well, you shouldn't. Or like, why are you still do? you know, why are you doing that? Well, because I want to do it and I, I'm going to be good at it. Did you ask for the best advice as I well? I did as well, yeah. Send on a high. <laughs> I mean, honestly, my family give me the like, good advice if I need it. Like if it's really scary, life-changing stuff. Otherwise, I kind of rely on my gut instinct. And then the only other person I really take advice from is Khalees because she's super smart and she's like quite wise for years and we'll talk things over and she'll give me good advice and I know it's always coming from a good place so she always wants me to win so that's that's the thing but generally I don't really ask for advice that much I don't know whether that's weird or not it is a bit weird (laughs) (laughs) if I really think I'm a very self-driven person so I'm like if I want to do it I don't really care about other people's advice for me but I'm I will I love listening to other people's stories and I ask people questions about their lives and even like down taxi drivers to whoever it is, everywhere I am in the world, I seem to make a friend. And if I'm like in Paraguay and there's a guy that's like talking to me about his life there, I'll take it all in. I want to know, like I want to learn from people. But actually in terms of advice, I don't know. I don't. I don't really rely on other people that much for advice. Maybe that in and of itself is the best advice you've received is not to rely on other people's advice. Yeah, because it's your path and it's your story and even things 20 years ago are different to how they are now. So if you're really single-minded in what you want to do, as long as you're not hurting anyone and you're being a good person along the way, like, just do you. How incredible is Nikki? I really, really adore this episode. You can follow Nikki on Twitter at DJ Nikki Beatnik. That's DJ N-I-K-K-I-B-E-A-T-N-I-K. And you can check out all of her sets on YouTube under Beatnik. That's B-E-A-T-N-I-K. Don't forget that Wannabe is going live for the very first time on June 2nd. And this won't be any ordinary live show. We are making it so hands-on that you guys can take your brands to the very next level. We're going to talk about all of our biggest fears, failures, and our biggest wins too, and how we actually executed them. You can get tickets for just £5 at wannabelive.eventbrite.co.uk. So come through and say hey to me and Preska. If you like how this podcast is made and you think that you can do what I do, then you need to reach out to the Shout Out Network. We have some wonderful new membership options starting in the next couple of weeks, so do keep an eye out at shoutoutnetwork.co.uk. Be sure to follow Wannabe on Twitter and Instagram at Wannabe Podcast. I love seeing the comments and the tweets, so please do keep them coming. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please do leave a rating and a review on iTunes. That is genuinely currency for the growth of this podcast. If you're enjoying it, please do do that. I will see you next week. Thanks for listening. Bye.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.